This morning we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. We, we find ourselves in the third chapter, right in the middle, where, where, where Mark describes the crowds that were following Jesus, as well as the 12 men who were chosen to be his disciples. Let, let me read it for you, Mark 3, verses 7 through 19. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all that he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because the crowd, he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to whom he gave the name Borgnorgus, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Let's, let's pause for prayer. Dear, dear Father, I pray that you will help us learn uh, from the Scripture today. And God, I pray that our hearts and minds will be open uh, to the truths that we learn. God, help us today just not to be hearers of your word, but help us to be doers of your word. <laughs> help us to take this message to heart and make it a part of our lives. Be with us now. Help me as I present this lesson. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, when we hear the word large crowd, we, we think of a sporting event with, with thousands of fans filling a stadium to watch a game. And we think of a concert with, with thousands of fans gathering to watch a performance. We can even think of a mega church with thousands of believers gathering for worship. Well, according to Mark, a large crowd was following Jesus. The people throughout Israel had heard about all the miraculous things that he was doing, and they traveled some a great distance to see him and his miracles for themselves. Of course, many sick people came to be healed, so many that sick came to Jesus that he had to have a boat ready to escape the crowd that was pressing forward wanting to touch him. Jesus had withdrawn to the Sea of Galilee to be to the, with his disciples. And here he is dealing with this huge, large crowd. And yet we know from Mark 6.34 that Jesus didn't dislike the crowd he had compassion upon them. 
It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion upon them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion for the crowds. He hurt for where many of them were at physically. However, he hurt most for for where most of them were at spiritually. Jesus wanted the crowd to learn from him and to follow him and his teachings. And, And that is really what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to learn from him and to follow him and his teachings. In some sense, the crowd was like They were like fans of Jesus. But he wanted them to be followers. And people, we too can be fans of Jesus when he wants us to be followers. Let me me share something with you that Kyle Eidelman wrote in his book. Not a fan. It's, It's convicting. It says, it may seem that there are many followers of Jesus. But if they were honestly to describe the relationship that they had with him, I'm not sure it would be accurate to describe them as followers. It seems to me that there is a more suitable word to describe them. They are not followers of Jesus. They are fans of Jesus. One of the biggest threats to the church today are fans that call themselves Christians but aren't really interested in following Christ. That they want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits but not so close that it requires anything from them. One of the reasons, he says, our churches can become fan factories is that we have separate the message of believe from the message of follow. See, Jesus desires us to be more than just his fans. He desires us to be his followers. Jesus desires more from us just than believing in him. He wants us, he desires us to follow him. And I believe that today's scripture can help us move from being fans of Jesus to being followers of Jesus. It involves three important principles. The the first principle, fans know all about Jesus, but followers get to know him personally. I mean, look again at what it says about the crowd in Mark 3, 7, and 8. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all that he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. A large crowd came to Jesus because... They had heard about all that he was doing. They had heard about him preaching with authority, driving out demons, healing the sick, cleansing a leper, healing a paralyzed man, restoring a a, a shriveled hand. Like fans, the crowds knew all about Jesus, but they did not really know him. You know, Christy and I are Illini basketball fans. And right now, it's an exciting time to be an Illini fan. I mean, we are number three team in the nation right now, and we have two of the best college basketball players on our team, Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn. 
Now, now we have been in the State Farm Center and watched them play in years past. This year, we've watched every game or listened to it on the radio. We have read every article in the News Gazette about them and the team. Christy and I know a lot about Io and Kofi, but we really, we really don't know them. I mean, fans know all about the players. They, they, they can meet them, they can even get their autograph, but they don't really know them. And that's exactly where this crowd was at. They know all about Jesus. They have seen him, some have touched him, but they really don't know him. They are fans of Jesus and not true followers. And I wonder if we are just fans of Jesus and not true followers. Because true followers spend time with Jesus and they get to know him personally. Notice what happens, Mark 3, verses 13 and 15. Again, it says, Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12, designating, designating them apostles that they might be with him. Notice that phrase, they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Jesus finally gets a chance to get away from the crowd, and he goes up on the mountainside. Luke tells us in the gospel that he spent a whole night in prayer, asking for God's help in deciding who he, choose, who he should choose to be his 12 apostles. And then Jesus had 12 men that he chose to come to him, appointing them as apostles. And the first thing it says the reason for that is that they might be with him. Jesus wants these men to spend time with him that they might really get to know him. That's what Jesus desires from all of his followers, that they might spend time with him, that they might really get to know him. I mean, that's part of the reason that we're spending this year working our way through the gospel of Mark that we might really get to know Jesus. I mean, each week we are learning what he teaches and who he is, how he loves, how he prays, how he handles people, how he forgives, what, what are his priorities, what does he want us to do? But can I tell you something? We, we really don't know Jesus we really can't get to know Jesus in a 25-minute study once a week. I mean, I didn't know, get to know Christy, my wife, in a 25-minute one-sided conversation once a week. We spend a lot of time together to build a love relationship. And we need to spend a lot of time together with Jesus if we're going to build a love relationship with Him. One preacher made this simple but startling observation. You are as close to Christ as you want to be. I mean, think about that. You are as close to Christ as you want to be. If you want to stay a fan, you can stay a fan and only know Jesus from a distance. But if you want to be close to Jesus, you must spend time with him and really get to know him. That's one reason that I strive to make a priority of spending some time each day in prayer and reading God's Word. I, I want to know Jesus better. I want to get close to Him and His will for my life. 
learning from him and living like him. And we can't be true followers unless we do that, unless we find, come up with some plan that we might spend more time with Jesus, that we might get to know him and his will for our lives. The first principle, so, it's so important. So important in moving us from being fans of Jesus to being followers of Jesus. Fans know all about Jesus, but followers get to know him personally. The, the second principle, fans focus on what Jesus can do for them, but followers focus on what they can do for him. L look at Mark 3, uh, 9 and 10. Because the crowd... He told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding him. For, for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. I mean, many in the crowd that day were there because they thought of what Jesus could do for them. I mean, they were sick with some illness and they thought Jesus could heal them. I mean, they, had, they were suffering with some defect, and they thought Jesus could restore them. That they were possessed by some demon, and they thought Jesus could cast it out. They were there as fans because of what Jesus could do for them. And people, in one sense, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if I was living back in that day and I had some illness or some defect, I would have been first in line for Jesus to heal me. The problem is, is, the problem is when we don't go any farther than that in our relationship with Jesus. At, at, at least part of the reason, at least part of the reason that we go to church and become Christians is because we think about what Jesus can do for us spiritually. I mean, again, we become Christians. Why? He, he can save us. He can forgive us of our sins. I mean, we come to Jesus because he can make us right with God. He can give us his Holy Spirit. He can reward us with heaven. I mean, there are a lot of blessings that we receive when we put our faith in Jesus and his sacrifice. But our relationship with him has to go farther than that. There really needs to be a traumatic life change. Before becoming Christians, life may be all about us and what we want. But after becoming a Christian, life is to be all about Jesus and what he wants. Our focus as we move from being fans to being followers of Jesus changes from being on what Jesus wants us to do on being what, what Jesus wants us to be. And Jesus has something, he has something that he wants all of his disciples to do. It is the same thing that Jesus wants these new apostles to do. Look again, Mark 2, verses 14 and 15, he appointed 12, designated them apostles, that they might be with him, and then the second phrase, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. 
Jesus sent out these twelve to preach. As a matter of fact, the word apostle means sent out. The apostles were sent out to preach the good news of Jesus. I mean, Jesus knew that more people could be reached with the message if more people were sent out to proclaim the good news. And so Jesus sends out the 12 to preach the good news. I mean, later, he sent out 70 people to preach the good news. And after that, after his death and resurrection, he sends out all of his disciples to preach the good news. Just listen to what Jesus said, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And then he told them, that's his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Now, what did he say? He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That is Jesus' challenge for every disciple. There are certainly many other ways that we can serve Jesus. I found it interesting in today's scripture that because of the large crowd... He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him. And like that, there are hundreds of ways that we can serve Jesus, but there is nothing more important than proclaiming his good news. That's why we desire as a church to, to be a spiritual connecting place for the PBL area. We want to be disciples of Jesus who lovingly connect others with him. This second principle is equally important to move us from being fans of Jesus to being followers of Jesus. Fans focus on what Jesus can do for them, but followers focus on what they can do for him. And again, nothing is more important in doing for Jesus than proclaiming his good news. And then the third principle Fans see God's power working before them, but followers experience God's power working through them. Look again at what's happening, Mark 3, verses 10 through 12. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Now imagine yourself, you're in the crowd that day and you're watching. You are watching as Jesus does one miracle after another. The sick are being healed. The the blind are seeing. The, The deaf are hearing. The handicapped are being restored. The lepers are being cleansed. The demon possessed are being set free. Even evil spirits are commanded to silence. I mean, God's power is at work right before you through Jesus. I mean, that had to be amazing to see it happen. It's amazing just to read it and imagine it. But think for a moment what it would have been like if you were the sick person who's healed. The the blind person who is seeing, the deaf person who is hearing, the handicapped person who is being restored, the leper who is cleansed, or the demon-possessed person who is set free. Oh, it may have been amazing to be in the crowd and watch Jesus' miracles take place. 
However, it would have been much more amazing to experience Jesus' miraculous power working in your own life. And that's exactly what Jesus planned for his disciples to experience. Jesus' miraculous power working in and through their lives. Notice once more from Mark 3, 14 and 15. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Jesus had miraculous powers and he gave the, the apostles those miraculous powers. He had the authority to drive out demons, and he gave his apostles the authority to drive out demons. Now, the Holy Spirit that gave Jesus and his apostles this power and authority, I want you to think about this, is the same Holy Spirit that that he promises to give all disciples after his departure. See, one of the gifts that we receive when we become Christians is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, the indwelling gift of the Spirit. Listen to what the Apostle Peter told the crowd to do on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit which empowered Jesus and his apostles to do miracles. The Holy Spirit that miraculously changed people's lives. Again, it's the same Holy Spirit that lives in us as Christians. He lives in us to work through us. I mean, just think with me for a moment about some of the apostles that Jesus chose to follow him. I mean, think about the apostle Peter, who denied knowing Jesus on the night of his arrest. And yet six weeks later, on the day of Pentecost, he proclaimed Jesus before tens of thousands. I mean, think, think about the Apostle John, who was one of the sons of thunder because of his anger, and yet he became known as the Apostle of Love. I mean, think about the Apostle Thomas, who was known for his doubt, and yet he stood boldly with the other apostles in suffering for Christ What changed these men's lives? It was the Holy Spirit. They experienced the Holy Spirit working in and through their lives. And that's exactly what Jesus desires from every one of his followers. To experience the Holy Spirit working in and through them. This third principle is so important. In moving us from being fans to being followers, fans see God's power working before them. But followers experience God's power working through them. Again, that brings us to our practical application. What are we going to do as a result of this morning's message? Again, as I prayed earlier, we need to be here, not just hearers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word. Let me suggest four Action step number one, decide which best describes you and your life. Are you a fan of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Again, Jesus loves fans, but he wants followers. What, what, what are you? 
Now, number two, take whatever steps are necessary to become a follower of Jesus, beginning with getting to know him personally. Uh, again, Jesus was not about a religion. He did not want Christianity to be about a religion, but he wanted Christianity about, to be about a relationship. And so that our, that's where our journey begins as Christians. It's having a relationship with Jesus and then building on that relationship. It needs to be the priority of our lives. Now, number three, strive to live as a follower of Jesus, focusing your life on what he wants you to do for him. See, fans, again, it's all about what you want him to do for you. <laughs> but followers focus on what you can do for him. And so make that a priority. And then last of all, experience the Holy Spirit working in and through your life. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus and his apostles. Think about that. The same Spirit by which they did miracles. God can work in our lives and he can change us and he can change the world around us. Let's pray. Dear, dear Father, I thank you so very much for this teaching from Jesus. And God, I pray for each individual here. I, I know that there are some who are listening, who are interested in just learning about Jesus. And I pray that they'll just keep learning about him. I'm sure that there are some who are listening today who are content with being fans of Jesus. And God, I pray for them that you'll move them and their desires to become your followers. And I pray that you'll work in all of us because we're living in a time when Jesus doesn't just need fans, he needs followers. And so God, work in us that you might work through us to make a difference in our world. We pray all this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you all for listening this morning. We thank you for being faithful and joining us on Sunday mornings as, as again, we just study the Word of God. And, and again, as, as I invite every week, uh, first of all, come and share with us on Sunday mornings. You're, you're invited. We, we're doing that safely, and we think we'll be able to continue to do that. But if you continue to listen on the radio, that's great. But if there is some way that we can minister to you specifically, don't hesitate to get in contact with us. Call us on, on our phone, the church phone. It's 217 uh, Excuse me, that's my phone number. Uh, it's it's 217-379-4443. And then also you can contact us through our website. PaxtonChurchOfChrist.org. We are here to minister in Jesus' name. Again, we thank you for listening. We pray that God gives you a good week ahead. May God watch over us, be with us, protect us, lead us, bless us. It's in, your, in his name we wish you well. Amen.